Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wondergold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host, BJ Cunningham. Michael Leboff is out for an episode. In a second, I'll be joined by my co-host and friend, Anthony DeBundo. But first, Wondergold is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game and get 200 free. And you may want to use that $1 on one of these two headliners in the Premier League. We have two fantastic matches, but it felt only right to start with the DeBundo Derby. Tottenham hosting Liverpool Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Tottenham is a plus 225 home underdog. Liverpool a plus 110 road favor with the draw sitting at plus 260. Tottenham obviously coming off a late winner in the Champions League to win their Champions League group against Marseille in the 95th minute. Liverpool coming off a, a pretty impressive performance against Napoli also in their champions league. But you know, the last time Liverpool was out in the premier league, they were losing to Jesse Marsh's leads two one at home. Tottenham obviously coming off a heroic, you know, racing a two goal deficit against Bournemouth on the road. It's interesting that Tottenham is sitting as a home underdog here. Obviously some injuries have taken into account for that, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Anthony, because it seems a little weird with all the problems that Liverpool's had this season to have them, as a plus one ten road favorite at another big six club, I generally agree. You know, I think I think oh. uh, Liverpool is a bit inflated here for sure, but that's also coming off the back of the Son news, right? So Son right. is not going to play in this match on Sunday. That's a big problem for Tottenham because now they're out Son, Richarlison, and Kulusevski, and the backup options are Lucas Mora, who's barely played this season and has not looked good when he's played, produced next to nothing uh, in his minutes this season. Uh, Brian Heal, I guess, maybe is the next option. Not inspired there either. So you're looking around and you're thinking, who is going to take the shots and produce for Spurs? It's kind of just Harry Kane or bust. And let's talk about Tottenham's set-piece reliance because they have been extremely reliant on set-pieces to create all of their chances for the last two weeks now. Two goals against Bournemouth coming from set-pieces. The tying goal against Marseille coming off of a set-piece. The equalizer against Sporting coming off of a set-piece. So this team's been great on set pieces. There's no doubt about that, but they have not created much otherwise. And I just wonder how many set piece chances they're really going to get in this match against Liverpool, given how much we know Liverpool likes to control possession, given how well Liverpool has played at times this season when teams aren't pressing them, when teams aren't willing to press high and try to win the ball off Liverpool and and force them into into a high pressing match. I don't think Tottenham's going to do that. I think Tottenham's going to look to, to sit a little bit deeper because of the injuries. I question whether Liverpool has the ability to break down this Spurs defense, though. We don't know if Christian Romero will be back. Spurs did an excellent job defensively when these two teams met in the spring of defending in the penalty area. They will be at home. Liverpool's attack has been about a half goal worse away from home this season than it's been at home. So give me the under. I grabbed the three. If you follow me in the app, you know I grabbed the three as soon as it came out. I still like it now. It's moved a little bit because of the zone news again with Spurs attack looking a bit more feeble, but I still like the under in this match. Yeah. I mean, it's no surprise that I love Tottenham in this match. You know, I'm going to wait on the market and try and see if they can get him plus half a goal at minus minus one thirty or better. But you know, the thing with Liverpool, and I think that the reason why you're starting to see them regress, 
you know, against Leeds, they had nine defensive mistakes defined by Opta. Four of them came by, by way of Joe Gomez. Now Konate is back. So I'm not, I'm sure he'll slot in next to Virgil van Dyke. But the biggest thing with Liverpool is their press just does not have the intensity that it's had in years past. So if you're looking at it this season, their passes per defensive action is 11.5. Last season, it was 9.9. Last season, they averaged 11.6 high turnovers per 90. This season, that's 9.3. I know it's only a slight, slight difference, but those two or three other chances where teams are able to progress the ball up the pitch, and like we've already mentioned, they look old. They look a lot slower than they have in the past. Plus, you also add in that Luis Diaz and Diego Jota are both out. The attacking options are not that great. I mean, they're obviously great you know, with, with Mo Salah, and Darwin Nunez, but do you know who Liverpool's leading goal scorer is this season, Anthony? Bobby? Bobby Firmino. <laughs> Six goals in the Premier League, leads Liverpool, which is kind of crazy. So yeah, like He's you said, hot. yeah, I mean, like you said, Tottenham's going to sit deep in their low block, which they've done an incredibly good job of this season. Like, you know, if you're going to sit in a low block, you have to defend your penalty area well, and Tottenham's allowed the second fewest big scoring chances. You know, they don't allow a lot of box entries, so they are good at that defensively. And I just really question... Liverpool is a plus 110 road favorite. I don't know if this is coming off of their match against Napoli, where Napoli just needed a draw essentially to get through. They're obviously very impressive in that match, but uh, in plus 110 is is a little steep here for Liverpool. And I even have Liverpool as a road favorite here, Anthony. Like I have Liverpool at plus 148. Like I have them projected as a favorite. So I'm going to be taking Tottenham. I'm going to wait on the market though, because as we've seen in uh, in the past, is that Tottenham does not get much love in the market, and Liverpool tends to get some love. You saw them get steamed pretty hard against Leeds over their last match. So I'll be on Tottenham, but I'm going to wait on the market because I think I can get plus half a goal uh, at minus 130 or better. All right, let's move on to a London derby, Chelsea. Hosting Arsenal Sunday early, early morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Chelsea sitting at a plus 150 home favorite. Arsenal sitting at plus 180 with the draw sitting at plus 240. Chelsea obviously has not looked that great over the past few weeks. Obviously, there's been scheduled congestion. They've played a ton of matches over the past month, but it all kind of culminated. We were talking about this a lot on the podcast that they were overdue for one, not necessarily one bad result, but overdue to concede some goals. And also essentially overdue, they were overperforming offensively. And it all came at the Amex with Brighton getting our a boys. famous our boys getting a famous 4-1 win. They completely dominated the match. It was a great performance. But I mean, it just culminated what we've seen since Potter has taken over Chelsea. We thought it was going to be a great hire in that, you know, Chelsea was going to be springboarded towards, you know, back towards, you know, the, the Premier League title race. Chelsea's sitting with a negative expected goal differential right now on the season. Like that is concerning. I mean, you know, over their last, since Potters took over in the premier league, they've scored nine times off a of 7.1 expected and they've conceded five goals off of 7.2 expected in the last four matches. They've lost the expected goals battle to Aston Villa, Brentford United, uh, and obviously Brighton last Saturday. So I actually will be on my gunners on Sunday for the first time in what seems like in a long time. Cause I do have them projected as a slight road favorite at Stanford bridge, because what I don't think people are talking about enough with Chelsea, they're struggling with that final third possession, turning that into some type of goal scoring opportunity. They don't have an out and out striker since Lukaku left. And, you know, obviously Timo Werner left RB Leipzig. So it's been Havertz up top or some, or, you know, and Pierre Emmick and Young is, is getting up there in age. So he hasn't really produced that much. I mean, Chelsea, they're top six in expected threat box entries, like progressive passes and dribbles. Like they're able to get the ball up the pitch, but they're 10th in expected goals because they've created the seventh fewest big scoring chances. I mean, they're only averaging 1.2 expected goals per 90 minutes. Like this is not really that good of an offense. And obviously the arsenal defense has been incredible. They have obviously got back to their winning ways against Nottingham forest on Sunday, uh, you know, five Oh drubbing really dominant performance. They're only allowing 0.77 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes. Only allowed five big scoring chances in the entirety of the premier league season. So I think this is a great spot here for Arsenal. Like Arsenal is also one of the most efficient set piece teams in the premier league. Like they're second in XG per set piece. Chelsea is near the bottom in terms of defending set pieces and the Chelsea injuries are starting to mount. Like obviously Fofana and Reese James and Conte are out, but I can't believe we're saying this, but Kepa's out. So that's kind of concerning given the way he's been playing in net. And then Kovacic is also questionable. So Chelsea's very, very thin in the midfield. So I actually think there is some value on Arsenal. So I'll be on the Gunners, draw no bet at uh, minus 105. So what are you thinking here for this London Derby? Yeah, I generally agree. It'd be Arsenal or nothing for me if I had to play a side here, but I don't really have that much interest in playing a side. 
Arsenal have been pretty lucky away from home this season. You look at their numbers, they are about even an expected goal differential away from the Emirates. And it's been a long standing trend. Uh, you know, I faded Arsenal on the road uh, their last couple matches, and I'm really not as high on them away from the Emirates as they've been dominant at home. I mean, they're a plus 1.77 XG difference per 90 at home. We saw that in the drubbing against Forest, complete domination in that match. Uh, but away from home, they just have not been the same team and teams who press. We saw Southampton defensive press was excellent. Leeds' press really bothered Arsenal. And when they've gone on the road, they haven't fared that well against teams who will press. And, and Chelsea's still second passes for defensive action. Uh, no Conte, potentially no Kovacic definitely hurts. But Gallagher's a capable pressure presser, even if I don't love him as a passer, though he did have a beautiful ball over the weekend uh, for the uh, the goal. That being said, I like the I lean to the under here as well for the reasons I just mentioned. Arsenal's attack has not been nearly as good away from home. They've only produced about six expected goals in six away matches, and that has translated to the Europa League. Uh, they went to Bodo, they went to PSV. The attack was not nearly as good as it was when they played their home matches against those two teams. So I think this is a little bit of an interesting underlying trend we're seeing. Maybe, you know, avoid fading Arsenal at home where they've been perfect this season and look to play against them on the road. And I think that's this is an interesting spot for that. Uh, Chelsea's attack continues to not be right. I think you're right there. I think Arsenal's defense is fine on the road. I think it's more the attack that struggles a little bit to consistently create chances and overwhelm opponents and keep the ball pressure up so they have the ball enough to, to do damage. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, that's been the the thing under Arteta for a long time is that Arsenal's just has been poor away from home and they've just been really good at the Emirates. So let's move on to the Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Let's start with Jesse Marsh's boys, Leeds hosting Bournemouth. What a win, by the way. What a historic win for Jesse Marsh to save his job. Leeds is sitting at minus 138, Bournemouth at plus 375 with the draw sitting at plus 280. These odds obviously coming from our friends at Bet365. I'm interested to get your thoughts because seeing Leeds at as this steep of a favorite, obviously they've underperformed quite a bit, you know, with the matches leading up to that Liverpool one. So it was kind of just a culmination of, of what they were due for. But are you laying leads at this big of a number when they have to go essentially break down a low block for all 90 minutes? No, I am not. Uh, it is a little bit too steep for me to play. If it got down to about minus 120, I would hop in on leads on the money line. They just have a way of making games very frenetic. And uh, Bournemouth could pick them off for a chance or two on the counter. And that, that is scary for a leads attack that has been good, but has not been you know, dominant or they have, and they've controlled games with their press, but they have not controlled them to the point where teams are not also able to get good chances off of them. Right. They're still conceding some big scoring chances. Uh, they're, they're not finishing. I mean, Bamford again, in in the game against mm-hmm. Liverpool, you know, struggling with the, with the finishing Leeds could have had another goal there and probably should have, uh, and couldn't quite get the finish down. Uh, they get gifted the goal in the fourth minute. They really could have scored end of the first half, and then, of course, Somerville scores the late stunning finish into the, into the corner to win it. Leads from a regression point of view, you know, we talk about regressing to means and, and Bournemouth continues to outrun it. They finally fell apart and collapsed against Spurs. So, you know, from a, it's leads or nothing, but I'm not laying minus 138 and I, I would need a better number to play them here. Not a ton else on this match, just that uh, leads have been considerably better at home traditionally. It hasn't necessarily held up this season, but... They, they, their press tends to be much more effective on home soil. Bournemouth continues. I mean, now they're, they're <laughs> two more goals off of the half of an expected last week that's, was, was something that's the fourth. But, you time. know, they, they're really, you know, when every counter comes off, it, yeah. it really looks beautiful. You know, yeah, every I mean, time you get a two on one, you make the perfect pass and the guy puts the shot in the corner. Like that's awesome to watch. And you're like, wow, what a great counterattacking team. Majority of the time, something goes wrong in the chain and you don't get the goal. Right. And that's really what's kind of fueling Bournemouth here. Uh, the luck will run out and they will be relegated. Right. Yeah. It's, you it's, look at the markets too. They're still like odds on to be relegated. So the market yep. knows they suck. Yeah. They know. I mean, purpose. market knows. I mean, they've what they've created over one expected goal in one match this season and it was against Southampton and they didn't score. I mean, they've, they've scored over two goals in four matches and all four of those matches, they have failed to create over one expected goal. So they, like you said, they're just capitalizing on their counterattacking opportunities. Like you saw it against Tottenham, the two major chances they got, they put away and that was about it. All right, let's move on to a wonderfully wonderful match at the, at the had at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, Manchester city 
hosting Fulham. City is a minus 800 favorite. Fulham sitting at 16 to 1 on the money line with a draw, sitting at plus 850. I have a bet that I usually go to in this, but first I'll get your thoughts on this wonderful match <laughs> part of the Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern time window. Yeah. I mean, the big question is, is the status of Erling Holland right. uh, didn't play, you know, we knew he wasn't going to play against Sevilla. We figured he wasn't going to play against Leicester. They didn't look great on the road uh, in that match. They, no. they didn't create a ton of chances and it's 50, 50, whether he's going to play for Fulham, but I can't imagine they're going to start him and rush him. And there's not right. really like a reason now, granted he's not in the world cup. So that's not really a consideration here, but it's a home match against Fulham city can win this with or without him. And so I think we're going to uh, see what happens with the line here. If Holland is out, whether it crashes or not, I think it's very hard to bet Fulham in any way at this number because they continue to also be a team who struggles defensively and, and won't have any of the ball in this match. And, you know, they can pull off maybe like a direct counter and get a steal goal, but it's, it's hard to imagine. Uh, and they're a little bit like, I thought I'd get a better number on Fulham to score. Right. They do think city can be vulnerable, but the number's not even good. You know, I have to no. lay juice here. So I'm not interested in a both teams to score or a Fulham to score uh, because <laughs> there's really not an angle uh, or a number at least that's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going back to both teams to score. No, my city, but I typically do a city here. Um, yeah. It, you're looking at city schedule. I'd imagine they would rest Holland here because they, I mean, not to say that they really care about the, 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 the Carabao cup, but you know, they are playing Chelsea. So if anything, I think Pep would want to rest Holland he, uh, and play them in that type of match. Cause you know, I mean, obviously, you know, trebles matter to city and all these other big teams. He talked yeah. about the Carabao as like a reason to have him back for. So I think yeah. that, like if they may just play Holland in the Carabao, Right. I mean, that might, that just might be what it is, you know? And the thing is, is like, yeah, today they kind of slept walk for a while against Sevilla in a completely meaningless match, kind of turned it on, you know, and won at three, one, but they, like you said, that Leicester match, they completely, that was a sleepwalk city. You know, if, if it wasn't for the, you know, De Bruyne, like stunning free kick, I mean, city created one expected goal for the entire match against Leicester's defense. Like they've created one, they created 1.2 non-penalty against Brighton, 1.2 against Dortmund and 0.9 against Liverpool in their last few matches. Like the offense really hasn't been there to what we expect. And I mean, Fulham offensively, like, yeah, they've scored a couple times against big six teams, but they've played Arsenal, Liverpool and Tottenham. And in those three matches, if you remove, remove penalties, like they've only created two expected goals. They're only averaging about eight shots and they only have our end are averaging 13 touches in those opponents penalty areas. So they're really going to have to capitalize on the one or two opportunities. And Mitrovic is capable of doing that. But the reality is, like you said, city's going to control 70% possession. They're just going to play slow, intricate. They're going to hold the ball in Fulham's final third. And I really just don't think Fulham is going to sniff city's net at all. And the biggest thing is I, I was looking at, I, I get this question sometimes because people tend to ask me like, Hey, why don't you just bet like sitting to win nil instead of both teams to score? No. Well, in this type of scenario, and this is, I think this is kind of a, a, an interesting exercise that I think our listeners actually might find uh, interesting. And if not, well, you can just tweet at me and say, I'm an idiot, but city to win nil is sitting at minus minus one ten. both teams to score. No is minus minus one twenty. So the difference between those from percentage wise, is just a little over 2%. So if you look at not even, I mean, I won't even do my projections, but if you look at the odds of Fulham to win nil and the odds of a three of zero, zero draw, Fulham to win nil is 33 to one zero zero draws 25 to one. So if you put those two percentages together, that equates to a little bit over 5%, about 5.8%. So essentially you're getting 3% more value to take both teams to score. No, because obviously there is that small percentage chance that let's say city gets a red card or, you know, obviously Holland's out. So that hurts their offense and it just becomes sleepwalk city. So I'm taking both teams to score. No minus 120 because I have it projected at around minus 190. So I think there is a little bit of value on that. So, all right, let's move on to another Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Nottingham Forest, who is currently sitting at the bottom of the table, is hosting our boys, Brentford, the Bees. Nottingham Forest is sitting at plus 175. Brentford at plus 160 with the draw at plus 230. I think it has to be Bees or nothing here. I mean, Nottingham Forest, obviously, we've talked about it a lot in their defensive regression. They kind of came back where they were able to keep a couple clean sheets despite giving up a ton of chances and a ton of expected goals, but I'll turn it to you first, but I do, I do like the bees in the spot. Yeah. It's gotta be Brentford or nothing. You know, Nottingham's defense has improved for sure, but they're still so open at the back. They're still really struggling on set piece defense, which is a concern going up against Brentford. I think this is Brentford or nothing. I show a little bit of value on them. I don't know that I want to bet them as a road favorite. The market seems to be souring a little bit on Brentford. They haven't gotten they have a been lot all year, love. Anthony. 
Archer hates Brentford. Yeah. And they're still doing fine. So, you know, I think this is a Brentford nothing spot, but ultimately probably will not be getting to the window on a ticket bet here. Yeah. I mean, Nottingham forces offense. I mean, they're still averaging 0.85 non-penalty expected goals per 90. They're one of only two teams averaging under 10 shots per 90 minutes. Them and Bournemouth, like you said, they're very reliant on big scoring chances, mainly off of set pieces. You know, they are the third most efficient team in the Premier League, but you know, Brentford, you know, their last two away matches have been, let's just say less than desirable <laughs> losing, you know, four, one to Aston Villa and then five, one, two or four, zero, excuse me. And then five, one to Newcastle. But the previous four away matches before that, you know, against Leicester, Fulham palace and Bournemouth, they actually did have a positive expected goal differential. So I think the bees have looked better on the road than they did last year. And this is a spot, you know, just Honestly, I mean, even if this is at a neutral field, essentially saying Brentford would only be, you know, plus 110, plus 115 against Nottingham Forest, I don't find that to be true at all. I have Brentford as a plus 129 road favorite. So I like the bees draw no bet at minus 115. By the way, Brentford is going to be 17 to 1 at Man City in two weeks. <laughs> I will be, uh, right I will before be throwing the a, few, a few shekels on that. Yeah, Brentford, uh, I don't think they have 16 to 1. I don't on think the they have. Bet. Right. I don't think they have too many guys going to the world cup. So yeah, no, um, they'll have a few, but not, not few. to the level that uh, Mikel Damsgaard will be winning the world cup with Denmark. Yes. Right after that's, he, that's true. Right yep. after he scores the winning goal at city. That is a but, good point. Uh, otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it, Tony might also be on the plane, but yeah, yeah. That they're, uh, they're live next Saturday yeah. on the road for sure. All right. Let's move on to another 11 AM Eastern Saturday match. Wolves hosting Brighton coming off that famous win against Graham Potter wolves sitting at plus two forty. Brighton, a plus one fifteen road favorite with the draw sitting at plus two forty. I have nothing on this match. I think Brighton is a tad overvalued on the road. Wolves is obviously due for a lot of positive regression offensively. They you know, obviously drew with Brentford over the past weekend with a one, one draw still did not look that great offensively, but I'm passing on this. Do you have any thoughts for wolves and Brighton? One more note about your point about Fulham and both teams score. No, it doesn't happen often. But how many right. times have we seen the game where the team creates one and a half plus expected goals, dominates the match, they can't find the finish, and then they weren't clinical today and it ends nil-nil? It doesn't happen often, but you know it happens enough that that little percentage makes a big difference. So uh, I agree with your point there on that. With that being said, this match, did I not say it last week? Brentford lets Wolves shoot from distance a bunch of times. <laughs> and I had both teams to score no, and I was and Wolves good. Wolves will and probably bang, 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 right They're due to bang one at some over. point. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Now Diego Costa is suspended with a red card. So it is it is so dire yep. in this Wolves attack right now. They're already bad. Like you said, the fascinating thing with Wolves, they're eighth in passes into the penalty area. They're seventh in crosses. And that is actually like pretty good. And you're like, yeah. man, this team should be pretty good. But Jimenez... Kalisic, Neto, now Costa, all out. Uh, Matthias Nunes has been out. Like what? How? How do they score? And, and look, it's it, that's the beauty of it. I guess it's that's the beauty Wang, of why right? everybody's going to bet the under and blah blah blah. Brighton are playing more open defensively, one hundred percent. You watch yep. the game against Chelsea, much more aggressive. They're much more aggressive, and I think the market is not quite pricing that in here away from home. I still don't love the Wolves defense. I still think Brighton will score here. But again, you just feel like there's going to be some transition opportunities. I'm not betting this now. I got to see what the lineup's looking like before I bet this game because, and I'm not, not normally a lineups guy, but this is the kind of game where I need to like visualize and, and try to put together the plan of how Wolves get at this team. But really it probably comes down to Brighton over committing away from home and Wolves giving a good effort at home. And maybe maybe Neves will hit another banger for me. Again, they continue yeah. to be a team who will probably finish at a much higher rate going forward than they have at this point in the season. I want to be there for it. So it's both teams to score nothing for me, like minus 116 right now. So even that's like I'm laying juice in this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> do that. But uh, it's funny because these two teams played at the end of last season and it was a pick them. Yep. My favorite bets of the year was Brighton. Now it's... You know, I got to lay a quarter goal. So no yeah. more than a quarter, pretty much. So no yeah. interest in the, in the Brighton Seagulls here, but definitely looking toward the BTTS. But again, waiting on a lineup because it's going to be really funny to see what they're going to do. Yeah, the market is definitely starting. Just start a dominant striker. 
Yeah. That's really all we need. Yeah. I mean, the market is definitely starting to catch up to Brighton, right? Because like, you know, you look at it, they're basically a pick them against Chelsea at home last, you know, last pick week, them against you know, Spurs at home, you know, pick them against Spurs minus two fifty against Nottingham Forest. Like the, like the market has kind of caught up to Brighton. So our, our chances of, of maybe being able to bet them are going to be kind of slim. And again, like, we we'll say about that. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But hey, you know what? Wait, wait, what's their schedule looking like? That's really what's gonna. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably determine it. Like, but you know After what? We, we got a break. We got to move on to. I'll I'll let you do the schedule here really quick, and then we'll move on. Yeah, they got Villa next weekend. Oh. Nope. And then Saints away, Arsenal at home on oh, Christmas gosh. and New Year's Eve. So there you go. That'll be the next Brighton spot. Okay. Perfect. All right. Let's move on because we got to get to the headliner of Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time during a wonderful college football slate. I'm sure everybody is going to be tuned into this in the second half instead of getting ready for Tennessee, Georgia. Everton hosting Leicester. Everton's a plus 140 home favorite. Leicester's at plus 190. The draw sitting at plus 240. Who cares? <laughs> like, this line is, is priced. I think it's priced correctly. Like if you, you, I guess I could make a little bit of a case for Everton. Like they have, I mean, but again, like, I don't know what to make of Everton anymore. Like I'll say Lester is starting to get a lot of their positive aggression back defensively. Danny Ward's actually playing a lot better as a goalkeeper. So yeah, I mean, when does the attack regress then? Because yeah, they, when they run so that, well there. That is kind question, of insane. Right? Yeah. So, you know, Lester, especially, you know, with a lot of their, their players are, are uh, teeing up for January uh, moves. So this could be the last swan song if you actually wanted to bet this current Leicester team. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad Michael's not on this episode to try to talk us into to Everton at this number. I'll be passing. Do you have anything for this wonderful 1.30 p.m. headliner? Easiest pass on the board. Yeah. We make that joke every week, right? But like it, it is with Everton's Everton. defense is kind of remarkable right now. Yeah, it is. The way that they've, the way that they've run this season. You know, we've talked about it. Pickford is second best in post shot. Well, excuse me. Everton goalkeepers are second best in post shot expected goal difference. Everton have conceded the fourth most expected goals in the league. And yet they have only conceded 12 goals, which is the fourth best in the league. So that really kind of gets to the point. They're the wolves of this year. Yep. Uh, it's not just goalies though. Like their defense is also getting super lucky with how opponents are shooting against them. But now they play a team who we all agree has finished at an alarmingly good rate. Mm-hmm. and is not going to continue to do that for the rest of the season. They're a team that has 21 goals from 13 expected. <laughs> so this is, it's like the, the regression, you know, indicators yeah. we talk about are like pointing in opposite directions. And from a tactical point of view, I think Everton are just going to let Leicester have the ball and then dare them to break them down, which they won't really be able to do. Mm-hmm. And then Everton will look to counter, which they could be able to do. Like that's the argument I think for Everton here. Yeah. Like you look at the aggregates, like how good has each team been this, thus far this season? They're like pretty even yep. next year difference or like a, a tenth of a goal difference. So you throw in home field, Everton's a small favorite. If it got to a true pick em, I'd be on Everton. But otherwise, this feels like an easy stay away. Uh, and another week where they put the bad match at 1230. Well, if you ask Michael, Everton deserves to be in prime time every single week. That but, game yeah. never made it onto my screen. I was nope. watching. I don't even remember what was on. Whatever yeah. was on in another league, I was watching that instead. Right. I think there was a good Bundesliga match. Yeah. I mean, under two and a half is, is juiced at minus 125. I have no interest in playing that. I mean, Everton, in the last three matches, they've conceded four expected goals and only let one goal in. And that's just kind of been the kind of been their entire story this entire season. So, yeah, easiest pass on the board. Let's move on to Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Let's start with West Ham hosting Crystal Palace. West Ham's a minus 110 home favorite. Crystal Palace sitting at plus 320 with the draw at plus 250. I have nothing on this match. I think it's honestly correctly priced. I think West Ham is deserving of being a minus 110 home favorite. Uh, Palace has had some kind of up and down results. They've kind of followed the trajectory as we talked about last season where they're very good at Selhurst Park and then they've just really struggled on the road. You know, you look at them losing three, nothing to Everton getting outplayed by Leicester on the road. And then obviously getting you know, obliterated by Newcastle. Their last, that's been their last three, three road matches. So, but again, I have no interest in laying West Ham at minus minus one ten right now. I think it's correctly priced. Do you have anything for West Ham and crystal palace? Yeah, no, not playing palace away from the park. They have created three expected goals in five away matches this season. They've conceded yeah. a little over nine. That's the second worst in the league behind only Bournemouth. And yet Bournemouth has actually produced a road win this season, whereas Palace has not. 
I'm sure if Leboff were here, he would be extremely mm-hmm. conflicted by this match because he loves both managers and he would mm-hmm. probably take Palace on the money line and say that there's not that much difference between these two teams. I actually don't have that much difference between these two teams either. West Ham should be a favorite. I make them right around even money. They're laying 120. Uh, this is another one where I'm not that interested in betting, uh, but we'll be interested to watch it. It have, has implications for me with futures with Palace and you know, right. so hopefully Palace wins it, but I'm not going to be on it. All right, let's move on to another. We'll save the best 9 a.m. window match for last. Let's move on to Southampton versus Newcastle. Newcastle's a minus 110 road favorite. Southampton sitting at plus 300. The draw sitting at plus 260. Again, another match that I think is actually correctly priced. Like, you know, I, I guess you could talk me into to Newcastle given the form. But Southampton oh, yeah. hasn't really been that bad like this season. Like like we've mentioned on the last podcast, like Hassan Hoodle, just when his job is in danger, he finds a way to get a couple results and then, you know, they in, ends up saving his job. I mean, they were, you know, obviously Palace scored early on the road there. You know, they, they really were in that match. They ended up winning unexpected goals. They played Arsenal very even on XG, you know. I have no interest again. I think it is correctly priced. The Newcastle defense is something to watch for maybe some unders and in both teams to score. No, like they have been one of the best defenses in the Premier League this season. They're an outstanding pressing team in terms of obviously in terms of counter pressing, but you know, Ishak is still out. Joe Linton is out for this match. So a little bit of question marks with Newcastle. So I'll be passing. Do you have anything for Newcastle and Southampton? I think Southampton might be the most boring team in the league at yeah. this point. I feel like we have never have any like strong takes on them either way. And they're just like generically bad and they're not even interestingly bad anymore where they're like competitive with the big six. So we're like, Oh, we want to bet them here. They're not great at home or away. Like their splits are boring. Uh, They had an undeserved loss at palace. I think on the aggregate played well at home against Arsenal. Like they were fine at Bournemouth. Like they're just kind of in the doldrums. They're just a generically bad team that plays above. I think they play above their talent. Right. I think it's very easy to square out here and take Newcastle and lay the juice. Uh, I would say that Newcastle's getting to the point where they're a little inflated, getting there. They're not quite there. If it was like minus 140 or so, I think I'd come back on Southampton. But otherwise, this is a stay away from me. Uh, just kind of gathering more data on Newcastle, though. Continue to be impressed by what they're doing. Another strong performance against Villa. Totally dominant, dominated Everton and, and have been excellent at home. They haven't traveled quite as well. There's something maybe to keep an eye on, but... Uh, definitely think Newcastle has a newfound respect in me. All right, let's move on to, I would say the best Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern time window match. The syndicate Aston Villa under new management, our boy Unai Emery. They are sitting at plus a plus two sixty home underdog against Manchester United, who is a plus 100 road favor with the draw sitting at plus 260. Obviously, Unai Emery was not in charge when they got drubbed for nothing on the road against Newcastle last week, but I am interested to get your thoughts on if Unai Emery, what he can change at, at Aston Villa to turn what is a pretty talented roster, honestly, into essentially what we thought at the beginning of the season, which would be a team that would be battling as the best team outside of the big six. Yeah, I can't take credit for this take because the double pivot guys made a good point about this and mentioned how Emery had excellent passers at Villarreal. Like they were really well built to play how he wanted in the conservative possession and, and actually were an effective low block team when they needed to be in the champions league. But then when they were in La Liga playing lower sides, they were actually a very good possession side because of the passing. Do they have that at Villa? I don't know. I don't, I'm not so sure. I think there's some definitely some more of a challenge uh, they also have more attackers on the pitch that normally like Ings and Watkins and Buendia and Coutinho, like that's a lot of attacking players and the Emery doesn't, is not known for loading up his lineup full of attackers. So that will be interesting. But I think in this match specifically, while he's still working out the kinks, we're going to see a very conservative Villa approach mm-hmm. against a big six team, a United team that's playing much better. The most impressive thing that I've seen from United has been that they have been so much better out of possession. And it really has started in Liverpool match way back after the Brentford and Brighton debacles. They were much better out of possession against Liverpool. And I think they've remained that way in every match. Okay. Yeah. They got drubbed by my man city. They will not be the only team to do that, Mm -hmm. but against Arsenal, they were pretty good out of possession. The Everton match, they dominated the Newcastle match. They didn't create much, but they were good out of possession. Spurs match controlled the, 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 the flow of the game. 
So I think what we're seeing now is that the defense is making significant improvements. Under one expected goal allowed to Everton, Newcastle, Spurs, West Ham. They allowed a little over one to Chelsea, but again, that was with the penalty. Right. So the defense has made significant improvements just by being better without the ball. I don't think they're an elite defensive team, but I think they're better. Now they go on the road. I still have questions about the attack. They started Ronaldo. He's cooked, man. Like every time he's out there, their attack is just worse. And they don't have, they're not getting a lot of production from Sancho and even Anthony. Like I love him, but like, he's not producing a ton. Their shots, average shot distance is super long. That's a concern. Like the attack is not right. I think that's the, if we're talking about United now as an improved United, they're better defensively than they ever were in the last two years. And the attack is still not there. Mm-hmm. I'm betting the under here, two and a half minus one four. Uh, I think Villa will be very conservative. They'll be at home. They're going to struggle to to keep the ball here, but I don't see United running up the score on a good defense. Right. Yeah. I'll be on Aston Villa plus half a goal minus one thirty. You mentioned the United attack, you know, Anthony is out. Bruno Fernandes is on a yellow card suspension. Jaden Sancho is questionable. So now they're going to have to roll with Ronaldo, who, like we said, is cooked. Uh, Marcus Rashford has been in good form and Anthony Alonga. So that's not the greatest attack when you're going up against what we believe is one of the better low blocks in the Premier League. And the good news is Unai Emery at Villarreal, you know, what he did such a good job of is when they did play those bigger sides is he would just compress the space in between the lines and essentially create what we saw honestly with Atletico Madrid for so many years when they got became way, way, way too defensive. But what he's going to have to fix with Aston Villa, like you mentioned, they had good passers at Villarreal. It's that transition into offense, which Gerard could not figure out because Aston Villa consistently was near the bottom and expected goals. They weren't able to transition the ball and get it moving forward out of that low block to actually counter people. So I tend to agree with you that, yeah, under two and a half is, is you know, a good way to look at this. In terms of spots, this is not a good one for United. Like they... You know, they go on the road for a very, very important Europa League match against Sociedad on Thursday, one they have to win to win the group. This is their fifth match in 14 days. It's a back-to-back travel spot. You know, even defensively, Verona is still out. So, yeah, I have some major question marks about United and Villa. They might turn into essentially the Crystal Palace of last season. Their home road splits are actually quite drastic. They're at plus 1.9 at home and minus five and a half on the road. So I'll be on the syndicate uh, plus half a goal uh, at minus 130. All right, that wraps up the Premier League slate. Let's move on to the rest of Europe. But first, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 free. Let's start off with in Germany with the Bundesliga. What's your best bet in Germany this weekend, Anthony? Yeah, I'm stunned. This is three. Schalke and Bremen mm-hmm. under. I did not expect it to get this high. The market loves Bremen and they like do. I've come around on them too and I've Kind of just been like, okay, yeah, the talent was better than maybe the, uh, you know, every year the teams come up from that second division in Germany and they're always a little bit underrated because there's this, the second division in Germany is uh, one, it's a really fun league for neutrals, but also two, it's like pretty competitive at the top mm-hmm. and you tend to get some pretty good teams that come up. The gap between them and the bottom of the Bundesliga is not that big because there's just not that much money at the bottom of the Bundesliga. And what we've seen from Bremen is that they're like a solid team who, you know, should probably be roughly around the mid table. Right. Uh, Now they're at home against Schalke. Schalke new manager bounce has somewhat, but not really materialized. But I think what (laughs) you're going to see from Schalke is going to be a more defensive approach. And I think that will be the, the kind of going situation here. Do you trust Bremen to create enough chances to get margin and to, you know, get over this three, which seems incredible to think about Uh, Schalke this season, have conceded 28 goals from 20 expected. They're not going to continue to run that badly. And yeah, they've, they've put in some decent performances their last two games since the new manager came in, even if they haven't gotten results. Uh, so maybe we're going to see some improvement from them, uh, but I'm taking the under. Yeah, I'll be on Hoffenheim, Leipzig, over three goals at even money. It's a kind of a difficult spot for Leipzig coming off a road trip to Poland uh, in the Champions League, um, you know, having traveled to Hoffenheim. But this, the Leipzig offense has been cooking. Lately, I mean, 12.7 expected goals in their last five matches. They put over two expected goals against Real Madrid in the Champions League last week. The reason, you know, especially for Leipzig, they had a difficult start to the season. They obviously fired Tedesco and brought in Marco Rosa. So they're sitting in sixth place. They have to take this match seriously. They can't just rest guys and kind of just say, all right, we're in the top four. Like we're not catching Bayern. We're obviously not catching Union Berlin because they're going to win the Bundesliga. 
So let's just, you know, shut it down and let our guys go to the world cup. But the reality is, is that the Leipzig that we've talked about many, many times is like transition defense is still a major, major problem. Like in those five matches, they allowed, they've allowed 7.9 expected goals. So in Hoffenheim, they don't really get enough love for their offense. Like it's been top five in the Bundesliga over the past two seasons. Like they were fourth in expected goals last year. They're fourth this year. They're averaging 1.6 expected goals per 90 minutes. And that what they do is such a good job of is they can play a, a very blending style. You know, they play out of three, five, two. So when they play bigger sides, they can obviously drop the wing backs back to, to be, you know, play five at the back, but they are very, very quick in transition. You know, they obviously have one of the more underrated attackers in Kremerich the Croatian who will be at the world cup and essentially what they try to do against bigger sides, which they've, you know, have had to some degree of success in the past is they just bait them in and then they get them quick moving on the counter. And so since Leipzig has been, you know, not that great in transition defense, I think they'll be able to hurt them quite a bit on the counter. And if Leipzig goes up early, this match is going to just become incredibly open. So I have 3.3 goals projected. So I like over three goals at even money. All right, let's move on to Italy. What is your favorite bet in Serie A this weekend, Anthony? Yeah, it's Milan Spezia under three. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this too. The, yeah, I know we have the Rome Derby, and I did take some Roma. Still like them at the current number. They have moved a little bit. Uh, Lazio finally beat those clowns last week with Sauernitana. Mm-hmm. God bless Sauernitana. Amazing performance. But I like the under here. This really comes down to Milan's defense still being really good, and uh, that's continued from last season. They've actually, they've fallen off a little bit, but uh, they've had a lot of injuries. So now that they have a healthier back line, Simon Kier looks like he'll be back. Milan expecting a better defensive out- output. They're hosting Spezia. Spezia is the second worst attack in the league by expected goals. They have created nothing this season. So I like the under three. It's just a little too high. Yeah, I like Atalanta plus half a goal at home and minus 125 against Napoli. And I tried to fade Napoli a couple of weeks Top ago two. against Roma and it didn't work, but Here's the reality is that yes, this Napoli team is so much fun. Like they have a bunch of guys who, you know, bigger clubs didn't really want who they got on the cheap. And these guys are starting to prove essentially is how good they are. And they finally came back down to earth a little bit against Liverpool. Obviously it was a spot where they just needed a, a draw. So you could, you know, make the case that they didn't really care about it. But I mentioned this a few weeks ago, Napoli's schedule in Syria has been quite easy to begin the season. Nine of their 12 matches have come against the bottom half of the table. So while their expected goals numbers are very impressive, like they've created 25 expected goals in 12 matches, the the two biggest matches they've had, they've played Milan. They beat them two one. They lost the expected goals battle one to 1.5. Then they went on the road and played Roma, beat them one, nothing, but it was a very low event match. Roma kind of Jose Mourinho just sat incredibly deep and essentially was playing for a draw in the second half you know, expected goals is only 0.9 to 0.3. Atalanta is currently sitting in second place and they are a very weird team to figure out this season. You know, in the past, they've been a great pressing team, great defense and everything this season. They're in the bottom half of Italy in progressive passes and dribbles allowed expected threat allowed, which is fine. Like, you know, as we've seen with Roma, you can let teams in your final third, as long as you're, you know, elite at defending your penalty area, which Atalanta is kind of average at, like they are allowing a shot distance of 20 yards on average, which is really good. And they are, you know, one of the top teams in terms of big scoring chances allowed, but they're in the middle of the pack in terms of passes allowed in the penalty area. So it's a little concerning, but then, you know, when you circle back and say, all right, well, they're allowing a pretty large shot distance and they're not allowing a big, a lot of big scoring chances. It lends itself to say, okay, maybe that Napoli is a tad overvalued here. I mean, Atalanta has had one bad performance in Serie A this season. They give, they luck boxed a one nil win against Roma and they give two over two expected goals. And the biggest thing with Atalanta is that they have been incredibly low block and direct this season. Like they have 32 direct attacks and only five buildup attacks. So they will be well-equipped to sit in a low block, allow Napoli to control most of the possession and then look to hit them on the counter. So, and I think it's a bad spot here for Napoli, you know, back-to-back road trips, you know, to Liverpool and then Atalanta. So I think I tend to think they are overvalued as a plus 110 road favorite. And I don't like that. I have to keep fading how good fading this really good Napoli team, but the market just continues to tell them that they are leaps and bounds better than anybody in Italy, which you know, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. So we've I'm seen on it before with Napoli where teams right. fall off. Now I love this team. Like Kavarchkilia is amazing and Osimhen's in the middle of a breakout, uh, but they're definitely inflated here. hundred percent. I mean, I don't to catching a half a goal at home almost. I'm going to wait closer to game time, but I'll probably be joining you on La Dea. Yeah. All right. Let's move over to Spain and La Liga. I, I tend to know, I tend to, 
I you think I know where both you're... teams to score. No, right. That's <laughs> right. Missed no, penalty, I... 88th minute. Yeah, no, that's uh, that I, I was watching it. That was, that was incredible. And it, for people who weren't watching LJ and nobody Gattaca, was watching. like, what, what else were you doing? Honestly, nobody was watching. Um, I had goal alerts on. I saw LJ got, LJ got a penalty on one of the dumbest handball car calls. I think I've ever seen it literally hit the guy's shoulder, but he moved his arm backwards. So it looked like he got it on his arm VAR reviewed it and they just upheld it. And then the guy saved the penalty. So it was justice, honestly. So it wasn't yes. luck. It was justice. Anyway, where are you going in Spain this weekend? Rio, Rio, <laughs> Rio, Rio, the boys, uh, you know, they're good. I saw people that said they weren't going to be good this year. I read that people told me relegation candidate. It was like two people, but uh, they, they, they have <laughs> continued to be a solid mid table team. And now they get the big, bad boys from Madrid going, making the trip. It's a Madrid Derby. People don't yep. know who Rio yep. Vallecano is also in Madrid. The overlooked of the three Madrid teams in the league. I love them catching a goal at home against Real Madrid. I mean, you, you know, we talk about, you know, we're nearing the World Cup here. Real Madrid, I don't love that they just drop points to Girona. Like they're probably going to be super focused. We saw them today just completely route Celtic in the Champions League. Yeah. So do we get an angry Madrid? Okay, maybe that's like definitely, definitely concerning. But I'm getting a goal at home. So I'm yeah. going to take that every day of the week with this team. Rio, who outplayed Atleti two weeks ago who has a positive expected goal difference, who is excellent at home. They generally love to show up at home. Uh, plus 0.87 XG difference at home this season. I get a full goal. I'm going to probably sprinkle some money line as well. Yeah, I, I'll probably be on there with you. I am going with Osasuna plus half a goal, minus 130 on the road at Celta Vigo. The market seems to love Celta Vigo for some reason. I'm not really sure why. They're not like, bad. They're, they're not bad, but they were also a road they're favorite at Almeria. Like this past weekend, obviously, you know, Almeria got lucky because Celta Vigo got a red card, but like they were road, they were a minus 150 at home against Getafe. Then they were uh, essentially a slight home favorite against Sociedad. Like, I guess you can make the argument that they're due for positive regression. Like they're minus 11 actual goal differential, only minus four expected, but I mean, they're still averaging under one expected goal per match. They've only created eight big scoring chances in 12 matches, and they are the worst team in La Liga at playing through pressure. They're going against a really, really good defensive side in Osasuna, who's only allowing 0.78 non-penalty expected goals per match. They have a, I mean, Osasuna's got a plus five expected goal differential on the season. They're in the top half of the, the La Liga table, and Osasuna's a top five pressing team in Spain. So I think that this is way, way too high for Celta Vigo and what, what will be a very low, low event match with the total set at two. So I like Osuna plus half a goal at minus 130. All right, let's move on to finally to France in Ligue 1. Do you have something in France this weekend? I do. Yes. Lille hosting Rennes this weekend. Pick them on the spread. Make these two teams very comparable. Rennes has won five in a row. They've been excellent. No doubt about it. Definitely a good sell high spot on them. Lille at home. Taking them with the, uh, on the draw no bet line. Yeah, I like Nice minus 120 at home against Stade de Brest. You know, Brest has gotten a couple good results. Um, they obviously created three expected goals against Claremont Foot uh, two weeks ago. And then last week, they played a nil-nil draw with Reims, you know, won the expected goals battle. But this is a team that's still sitting in the relegation zone, who still has a round of minus five expected goal differential, who will be without their number one striker, Ishlim Slimani, former Leicester great Nice is a big time positive regression candidate. They're around a plus four expected goal differential on the season, minus three actual goal differential. There's a lot of talent on this team. Obviously a bunch of names who we've seen in the past, like Nicholas Pepe and Aaron Ramsey and, and such. Uh, but I think the price is a little too cheap here. Your boys. Uh, for Nice, my boys. Yeah. For Nice at home. Yeah. Unfortunate that my bolt, my arse, my Arsenal reject boys couldn't knock out Tottenham uh, in the champions league at Marseille. But anyway, all right. Let's move on to our favorite segment, our favorite underdogs of the weekend. What do you have as your favorite underdog this weekend? I just talked about it, uh, or we just talked about it rather with Marseille. I'm going to take Lyon plus 210. Mm -hmm. It's funny because these two teams played in the spring in Marseille. The line was Lyon plus 210. I bet it. They won the match 3 0. I don't think that much has really changed between these two teams. I think they're very comparable when you look at their underlying numbers, their overall talent. You could make an argument that Lyon's actually a better team. So I'm going to take them plus 215 on the money line. 
Yeah, I like Mallorca, five to one on the money line at Villarreal. Villarreal, obviously under new manager, Kike, former Barcelona manager who managed them for essentially during the pandemic. They had one match against Athletic Bilbao where he was in charge, and it was not a good performance at all. Bilbao completely dominated them, 1.8 to 0.3 on XG. Mallorca has been putting in good performances lately. You know, they drew Espanol over the past weekend, beat them 1.3 to 0.3 on expected goals. They won the expected goals battle and beat Valencia on the road a couple of weeks ago, you know, played Real Sociedad very, very tough, you know, should have won against Sevilla at home. Like this is a, a team that's, it's really should be battling towards the, you know, the top half of the table. They've even had a performance against Barcelona where they won the expected goals battle. So I think the price is way too high on a Villarreal, not really a new manager bounce when your manager leaves for uh, a different club and you have to find <laughs> a new one. So uh, I like Mallorca at five to one. All right, let's move on to our favorite bets in the Premier League this weekend. What do you? What is your favorite bet in England this weekend, Anthony? Aston Villa and Manchester United under two and a half at minus one hundred four. We've spoken about this game. Man United has really improved defensively under Eric Ten Hag. They've been excellent out of possession. They've been limiting more chances as time has passed since those first two opening debacles. They've been much better. The attack, though, has not really taken that step forward that I thought that it might, starting Cristiano Ronaldo, not working out as a net positive for them with the limited chance creation they're getting and how the attack is built around him. Villa should be excellent defensively, especially at home. New manager with Emery. We know they're going to be defensively solid. That's always been true with Villa. Problem has been getting forward. It's going to be a problem for them against United, I think. And we do have some injuries and suspensions to look out for with United as well in attack. Already limited in their production now could be even further limited by injuries and suspensions. So give me the under two and a half. I like my boys, Arsenal minus one Oh five draw no bet at Chelsea. Chelsea has not been good under Graham Potter. They lost the expected goals battle in their last four matches against Brentford against Aston Villa, Manchester United. And it all culminated with a four one drubbing at Brighton over the weekend. Arsenal has been one of the best defensive teams in the Premier League, only allowing 0.77 non-penalty expected goals per match, only allowed five big scoring chances. Chelsea is really struggling to turn final third possession into any type of scoring chance. If you look through their offensive metrics, their top six and progressive passes, expected threat, even box entries. But they're 10th in expected goals because they've created the seventh fewest big scoring chances. So when they don't have a true out and out striker to get on the end of those chances, it seems that they are not able to finish off and create a lot of big, create a lot of expected goals because they're only averaging 1.2 on the season. So I generally think that this match should not be a pick them, that Arsenal should be a slight favorite here on the road. Give me the Gunners, draw no bet at minus 105. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next Wednesday for the last round of of Premier League matches as we gear up for the World Cup. Also, make sure to stay tuned to the Wonder Goal podcast feed as we get near the World Cup. We'll have a ton of podcasts, a ton of content coming out for you guys. We'll lay it all out either on Twitter or maybe on our last episode before the World Cup. But for Anthony DeBundo, I'm BJ Cunningham. Thank you all for listening and good luck with your wagers this weekend.